What's going on, guys? Welcome to the 100th episode of Eastern Current. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I want to go ahead and apologize. Uh, we were live streaming this recording, and the first um, about 30 minutes got cut off. The, my computer crashed, and we lost it. And we still have about an hour and 15 minutes of recorded content. Um, and and it's, it's still a great conversation talking about conservation, talking about boats, talking about fishing. So uh, I do apologize. You can definitely go check out the full version on YouTube. But as far as the audio version, I'm not able to recover it. And YouTube won't let me download the audio file. So this is just the hundred out or the or the uh, one hour section of our hundredth episode. So hope you all enjoy it. And here it is. All right, we're live again. Is everybody still on here? Sorry, we crashed there. My computer overloaded. I knew this was going to happen. This is why I hate live streams. But we were able to just resume back onto here. Um, are y'all still looking on your phones? Are you? Can, is everything still up and good to go? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's back yeah. up. The chats are good and coming through. Guys, yeah. I'm sorry about that. Um, I have terrible luck with live streaming. So we're the nice thing about this Ecamm Live that I stream through is it's got the feature to just resume. So we're back on here. We're back live. They were still on Skype. My computer, what happened is my computer just straight up freaking crashed on me. So um, we should be good to go, though. But what were we talking about again? It just it shifted uh, where everybody was when we came back on here. So now I'm throwing off where to look. About, we were talking about best baits for the winter. Okay. And then um, I don't know if the stream ca- crashed while we were talking about this, but someone had asked about when to start using topwaters. And we were talking about that as well. Oh, dude. Today... We had uh, my afternoon trip. We were fishing some deeper water. I had some guys uh, less experienced, and we were uh, we were uh, live bait fishing for a little bit, and pitched out in front of a group of fish with a float, and had one come up and try to eat the float. <laughs> nice. So I was like, "Oh, it's right around the corner, right around the corner." God, we lost yeah. a lot of listeners. I hope everybody can can hop back on here. Uh, we are we're live again. If or if you're in the chat, let me know in the chat real quick. Hey, we're good to go. Everybody can can see what's going on. We're caught back up. Um, but it seems like everything's flowing all right. But uh, when do you ought to start throwing top water? When they start eating it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely when they start eating it. Uh, honestly, I love throwing it when they don't eat it. Honestly. <laughs> Uh, when they when they slowly kind of start breaking up a little bit, or maybe not breaking up, but spacing out, kind of like you were saying, and and they're still eating good, and they, they you know that water starts heating up a little bit, maybe beginning mid March, I'd yeah. say, you know, I mean, throw it anytime. If you find a good school this time of year, uh, you know, people will still catch fish on top water. It just depends on how aggressive those fish are feeding. I think that um, floating's yeah. a big factor. Yeah, being right. near the surface. Yeah, if those fish are up on the surface and and that's kind of where their feeding zone is, then by all means, throw a topwater. But you'll know pretty quickly whether it's going to work or not because you're going to either see those fish all congregating right at it or they're going to be <laughs> blitzing away from it. <laughs> so you'll know quickly. Dude, some of those first topwater eats the spring when they're schooled up and you got like 12 fish chasing it down trying to smash it. It's so, yeah. so fun. It is yeah, so fun. Awesome. Um, or what are y'all, some of y'all's topwaters are like throwing? Anything in specific? Cameron, you like the she dogs and the she pups and all that stuff, right? Um, yeah, I really like the she dog, at least in, in in dirty water for sure. I like the she dog just because it's got a high pitch uh, noise to it or clack. And um, I've had good luck with that one. Okay. What, what's the one that I, we used a ton this summer, Jeff, that I, I feel like that might be my new favorite? 
I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, uh Skitter Walk? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think it, I don't know. Were you ever using that little Yazuri a bunch? Was that mm-hmm. you? No. Oh. Never mind. Just mm-hmm. that up. I used the Yozuri some this that year. That's I really like the Yozuri. It walks good. Um, sometimes it doesn't like, you know, if the water's kind of choppy or something, like if I'm down in the river in a little bit bigger water, it doesn't walk as good as like a skitter walk or a spook. But um, I had really good luck on it, especially kind of tucked away in some of the bays it's not as loud and um noisy so it seems to do pretty good yeah i've but, always like i've always liked the top dogs the top dog and the top dog juniors the mirror yeah. they have like the glass ball in it and i just feel like that resonates well yeah but, you know it's whatever you got confidence in really playing around yeah. with pitch is is a lot of times as important as color man like i there's definitely times where like let's say us four are on the boat fishing together and we're throwing different top waters I mean, granted, sometimes it's just the first top water of a fish, but you'll get a top water through, and like, say, Cameron's in the bow and Jeff's fishing behind him. That second bait through, sometimes we'll get him. I mean, I think pitch does have a good bit to do with it, um, or can have a good bit to do with it. That and the the cadence, cadence too. You yeah. know, that, that pace, yeah. that pace in which you're twitching it. So, yeah. God, I'm ready yeah. for some of that. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like cadence is a huge piece of it, to be honest, yeah. oh, because yeah. like sometimes. You know, I have like a specific cadence that I usually do just when I'm throwing a top water. But if I haven't gotten any bites yet, I just start, and I'm sure you guys do this too, you like slow down the cadence a couple of casts, throw it out again, no bites, speed up the cadence a couple of casts. And then you like, sometimes on a certain day, they just want a certain cadence. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they really I do. think a lot of that For has sure. to do with like looking at the mullet and how they're swimming down the grass lines. You know, if the mullet are super active and just kind of, jetting all over the place you know i'll speed up a little bit if they seem to be kind of just chill and kind of tucked up against the grass or something i'll slow down more and just kind of see you know what's going on with the bait around me and how they're acting yeah if the pressure is just a little bit different you know that makes the fish react a little bit different um and how they come up and want to eat and what they're looking at yeah i I agree i agree it's uh it uh it can definitely be sorry I had another little warning pop up my computer. Um, <laughs> this thing this little cheap MacBook Air is not made for this much going on. <laughs> um, I had another good question here too. I'm just kind of popping into these questions and looking at them. Um, do y'all have any advice for trout this time of year that just don't want to eat? Finding trout, switching lures, and fishing speed, but fish just won't commit. So I think the big thing is is water temperature for the trout. You know, fishing prefrontal too is, is key. It's really picking your days. So like we've got a couple warm days. If you know areas the trout are, like I'd say tomorrow, the next day, on through Friday, before it starts to get cold again, those like the day, the, the 24 hours before it gets cold again, that's when you want to be fishing for those fish. I'd say mid to low tide this time of year too. too like as that warm water's falling off the flats, that water temperature's going to rise a little bit in those creeks. Um, even just enough. So getting them on the warmest water you possibly can this time of year and fishing them, you know, prefrontal is, is what I see. But but are there any lures, any baits I've had luck on the winter wintertime trout, if not fishing bait? Um, mirror lures? Yeah, that suspending pause. Suspending pause, <laughs> just something that can work super slow. Yeah. yeah. I feel like when you get those, uh, if you do like a jig head type of deal with like a trout trick, it just you have to move it too fast in order to keep it like 
off the bottom. And I feel like if you can keep something suspended in, in front of their face for a longer, longer period of time, um, it, can, it increases your probability of getting a bite. Yeah, I agree. That just letting it kind of sit in their face for a little bit. Um, yeah. The, the I will net, say, I'm that, sorry, what were you saying, Mike? Oh, no, you just said like mid-tide kind of falling. I think a lot of times when the trout get in that super low water when we have a like coming up on like a full moon or something with a really low tide, they just seem to kind of get real picky and kind of go into that survival mode when that water is super low and they just don't like to eat, I feel like, too. Yeah. yeah so they're, I think they're just picking hanging. That tide, yeah, picking the right tide um, has a lot to do with it. So, I mean, that's even the same thing for redfish. You know, we, we target redfish on a lower tide just because we can see them so much better, see how they move. But a lot of times, you know, I'll go on and sit. Like today, we sat with the school, never pushed them for like the first hour, couldn't get a fish to eat. As soon as the tide kicked in and really started to flow just a little bit and start to move the algae and stuff on the bottom, um, they seemed to just kind of cut on and start eating then, you know. So, yeah. It seems like that incoming tide on these warmer days in the spring, sometimes that first little bit of the incoming can be so key. And, and man, honestly, like in the summer, a lot of the stuff that I like to fish for the really shallow redfish, they are the most active and the most aggressive and the most feeding at the beginning of that incoming tide. All those belly crawlers, low tide tailing fish, it's like that beginning of that low, that low tide, beginning of the incoming. It seems to be, you know, some of my best sight fishing typically as far as aggressive fish and them actively hunting and feeding. I don't know if y'all have seen similar trends or not, but that, that's kind of what works for me. I think so. Um, I feel like because it's just slack tide is always like everything kind of dies, right? Yeah. And bait's not getting pushed anywhere. And then as soon as that tide starts coming in, it's like everything starts coming back to life. Redfish start kind of setting up for the bait swimming through. And um, I think that's uh, super accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, I say, I don't I think that current, The current kind of positions those fish a lot more, especially when it comes to trout with the way they sit on the bottom and kind of use more of an ambush spot than the redfish kind of cruising around looking for food. Yeah, so. I agree. Um, just a reminder to you guys, if y'all do have any questions, we're trying to answer them here. Y'all can shoot them over in the comment section. Uh, one more quick little reminder about the raffle. Uh, if you super chat for every dollar you super chat, it energy to win. We've got a bunch of good stuff here. Um, some new reels from Penn, a bunch of iStrike stuff, some free goodies from um, – or some goodies from uh, AFCO and Marshware. So, so definitely uh, check that out. Thank you all so much for your support. But um, I want to get into talking a little bit about someone who I had written on the Instagram story kind of asking for some preloaded questions for this show. Um and a lot of stuff came in about talking about boats and, and the platforms that we fish off of, skiffs and, and bay boats and whatnot. And all of us, we fish a skiff for the most part. Like that's the majority of the boat of, of what we're fishing on. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about what the platforms that we use and, and how that allows us to be more productive, how we like to fish them. Um, Jeff, you want to you wanna take a crack at it first? Sure, sure, yeah. Um, so I, I, I probably... I probably have uh, the least nicest skiff out of out of all of us here, but you know it's it it still is able to kind of get me out there and and pull in some pretty shallow water. 
Um, I've been I've been looking around and trying to find a, a, a flats boat, um, trying to upgrade a little bit here. But it's tough. It's tough to find a boat just because they're you know they're pricey skiffs. They're really really pricey. It's not it's not a cheap sport that we're in. Yeah. Um, and they're going but, for a lot right now too. Seller's market. Yeah. For sure. It is. It is a seller's market. So it's tough to find those used boats. But man, they're you know it's. It, it it is tough. I I really like. Uh, I've been looking at the the Sabine skiffs a lot lately. They're uh, made down in Texas. They're an all aluminum boat. Um, I, I you know I haven't ridden on one. I've talked to a few guys just through social media about them, and and they swear by them. Um, but everybody's gonna swear by their own boat. So you gotta talk to someone that has owned one, any boat. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's owned it and yeah. has a different boat. Like why do you have a different boat? Yeah. Those are the guys for you sure. talk to. Right, right. Those guys who had it, but are like, oh man, you know, if they say that oh, they loved it, but you know, they they switch. Why'd you switch? Kind of thing. Right. For sure. You know, definitely. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Those Sabines guys- are sweet, man. I really like those. I just love the skiffer here, especially this time of year, because it allows you to get into those areas. And maybe we're saying too much about skiffs. We always complain about how many skiffs we see around now. Um, so <laughs> we shouldn't shouldn't spread too much love about them. But it's an expensive. You know, you, there's some cheaper boats, but. Um, that you really do a lot of times get what you pay for in a skiff. I mean, there's little things yeah. that, that that can change, but I mean, some of some holes are they what we talk about slide real bad when you're pulling. Like you can't really track and hold in an area very well. There's other boats that that'll turn and pivot and you know in a 360 degrees without really moving much. Like if there's not current or wind, you can kind of really spin that boat in one spot. But just being a nimble, quiet pulling boat, like. The fish that we're fishing this time of year, man, if you tried to fish them from a trolling motor, you would be scaring the crap out of them all the time. Like, you can't, you'll hit an oyster shell sometimes the wrong way with a push pole and freaking spook them. But, yeah. Um, it's, you yeah. know, we've all got a little bit different taste in, in what we fish, but I think the skiff is, is where it's at. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely having, you know, a technical pulling skiff for, for the, the style of fishing we do is, is essential and having something that gets shallow and also pulls well is, is completely necessary. And, you know, there's, there's definitely a reason why they're so expensive because there's, there's a lot of research and design that goes into them. And I mean, it's as small as they are, there's a, there's a lot of detail that goes into them. So, I mean, as frustrating as it is, I get it. Yeah. Perfect skiff layout. What would you get, Jeff? If it was all free and you could lay out one skiff exactly how you wanted it, exact so boat, like, what would it be? So like a like a particular brand. Yes, yeah, so like particular a, brand, double power poles, quad power poles, two trolling motors. <laughs> how many graphs would you have on it? I don't know. Maybe I'd get a ninety thousand dollar Chittum and sell it and buy three more. <laughs> all right, now you're, hack, you're literally hacking the system here. You, I don't know. One boat, you have to keep it for at least five years. Man. The HPXS is is probably the best fishing boat that I personally have fished on. Maybe the the professionals up there too. Um, you don't have to try to flatter me, dude. I don't know. No, that's true. It really is. It really is. I mean, that boat is is as far as a boat that runs through the the creeks and just being able to turn on a dime and just doing that in shallow water is. I mean, the, that boat's pretty impressive. It really is. Yeah. It does well for that for sure. It's uh, yeah. it's part of the job is freaking getting people white knuckled on the under the gunnel and the holder on the side of the yeah. console running up a creek. Especially this time of year when you can see the bottom and it's very close to the 
motor. Yeah. <laughs> brings a little joy I don't to know. my life. I, don't I know. mean, I run the East Cape Fury, and I love it for what I do, but I have a little different um, use for my boat because it's more of, like, family layout. So it's still 18 feet, you know, and it's technically a pulling scuff, but it's designed for a little bigger water. I just like the fact that I'm still getting in eight inches of water for most times. Um, you know, like right now when we get a super low tide with a full moon, there's certain places I'm just not going. Um, Judd will pull me, pull right by me in his, you know, Maverick. But as far as when the wind picks up in the afternoons and you want to calm ride back or you want to be able to carry all your gear and go to the sandbar and hang out with the family or take a few friends out, you know, it's kind of a good all around skiff. Um, there's certain things that it could do better, but at the same time, you know, you lose on other stuff. So I think as much as you enjoy fishing or doing this type of fishing, find something that doesn't limit you to just this. Cause that was one of the things for me. I love doing this, but during the summer, I love drop trolling motor and cast top waters and catch redfish that way, or go beat the banks for flounder. And, for sure. you know, I didn't want something that was only a technical pulling skiff you know, and that's all I could do. So having a little bigger boat that can carry the batteries, carry the trolling motor, all that kind of stuff, you know, it makes a huge difference for me to be able to fish year round and kind of not be stuck in one thing. I can get off the beach. I think that's a big thing for me. I love to go out and bonita fish and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You have to pick your weather day, but you don't have to worry when you go out the inlet. Oh, I'm going to be, you know, stranded or whatever. If the wind kicks up a little bit, I can still make it back in. So, yeah, for yeah sure. I agree with that. And you, you, know, you were kind of knocking your boat a little bit. Like your boat floats. I'd say this the S does float a little bit shallower, but that Fury still floats shallow. I'd say yeah. I, I get maybe in. You drive maybe an inch more than I do, inch and a half maybe. Um, but I yeah. mean, ninety percent of the times, man, like that extra inch isn't a huge deal. But when it is, it, you know. It is. You want it. But you're way more yeah. comfortable in the ocean. I'll be fishing, going out there, looking for a Kobe or something. You're way more comfortable in that fury than I am in my Maverick in the ocean. About freaking dump people yeah. out of that thing when I do so I just slip out of there sometimes. <laughs> but I will say, like, running in the creeks and stuff, your boat, you jack plate all the way up, you take a turn, your boat stays exactly where, you know, it goes exactly where you want it to. My boat, yeah, I jack plate up, I start to trim up and got my trim tabs down. You take a sharp turn, you're gonna go sideways. Like, yeah. you really know what you're doing, and I learned that lesson almost the hard way. So you know, it took me a little bit of figuring it out, and I think every boat, you know, rides a little different. So yeah. definitely be take your time when you start getting into these kind of skiffs and these kind of boats. You know, a John boat slides really bad. These boats they'll slide, but they'll catch um, once you get in a certain position or whatever. So. Um, if y'all have any questions or anybody wants to hop on a boat, especially if you're looking at a Fury, let me know. I'd be more than happy to take you out for a little test ride. So, heck yeah, Cameron, you've kind of got this the the microest of the micros that we we run. Your boat's a little bit smaller, but super cool layout. I, I know you were kind of nervous about three people on that at first, but man, it fishes three people great. It, I mean, I you have a little bit less room than an S or like a professional, but it's still you know you can put two two anglers on there no problem. Yeah, two two anglers is fun the only the only um i mean just small complaints i guess is the the uh, gunnels are pretty 
narrow. So like in the in all the rods hang under the gunnels yeah. and when you walk on either side if you have spinning rods they get kicked a lot but i mean other than that the, the boat has been great i love cameron's boat i fish i you know i, I fish too. on cameron's i fish on his boat quite a bit and i mean he's got a killer boat it's a, it's an awesome awesome platform the only thing i'll say about that boat is that uh one thing that made it from like a mediocre boat to like a really um fun boat to ride around in was i had to get a custom prop yeah, dude, that prop changed your life. Yeah, I mean, it really did. I like, got one. Yeah, <laughs> changed Jeff's life too. And I, it, I, I copied him. <laughs> anyone listening who has like a skiff and has cavitation problems, so if you have a if you have a jack plate and you jack it all the way up, and you're trying to get, run through a creek or whatever, and you're it sounds like your prop just starts hitting air. There's a guy in Texas. Uh, his name's Jack Foreman. And he makes killer props. I mean, absolutely unreal props. They have this like crazy cupping on them, so it really catches the water really well. And I mean, that cha- completely changed the way my boat rode in in shallow water. Didn't you say you called him and you were like, I, "So I have I'm having prop issues, but I've got a beaver tail." And he's like, "I know the exact prop. You need this pitch, blah blah blah." And like knew the prop, oh, yeah. and he's like, oh, "It's in the mail." <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that he makes, dude. He makes a lot of them because I guess the. Um, the beaver tail, the model that I have, is pretty popular down in Texas. And um, it's the mosquito, right? Beaver tail mosquito. Beaver tail mosquito, and uh, he, um, the guys are having the same issues I was, and this guy has been making props forever and told him what the issues were, and so now he's just making tons of them for all these guys out of Texas, and it just, I mean, it absolutely changes the way the boat rides and and how it performs. It's absolutely unreal. Yeah, it, it's that. it's pretty crazy. I mean that that boat rode rode good before you got that prop, but I mean it, it runs substantially better. Yeah. yeah. And even on even on my boat, I, I run my boat uh, with a, with a Foreman prop, and and now I have the motor mounted as high as it can, and then the jack plate mounted as high as it can, and I just run it jacked up all the way all the time. Yeah. And it just you know. Yeah. The whole shot is way better, and it just runs just you know, so much shallower. If I if I put that thing on its side, I mean, you can get in some some pretty shallow water. Yeah, there's. Sure. I don't think there's a. Oh, sorry. What were you saying? I honestly think I've never seen a boat run as shallow as um, Jeff's uh, Mitzi when he got that new prop on. Yeah, I mean, I swear we we're running through water like inches. <laughs> he was like turning on his side. I was like, holy. Yeah, because it's it's got it's got a twelve degree dead rise. It's got like that twelve degree dead rise all the way through from about a stern. So if you put that thing on its side, it's still flat. Whereas a flat bottom in the back, it's kind of got an angle, so it digs a little bit. Yeah. So my boat will slide, but it, it's got like a flat surface area. So when it's angled just right, I mean that that boat does get shallow when it's running. It does not pull the shallowest, but when you got it, <laughs> if you got it angled just right, slip it across a. A mud flat or, or a bar, it will get pretty shallow. I think yeah. you got that thing running probably shallower than any other Mitzi out there, unless somebody else has done exactly <laughs> what you've done. But that thing yeah. gets freaking shallow. That thing's called it a lot does. of fish, too. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I get questions about boats and skiffs all the time. And it's really the biggest thing is you just got to get out there and get on some. Someone in here was saying, we should do like a skiff meetup. I've talked about that for a long time. Like everybody with a skiff around here, let's go meet up at a sandbar. 
and hang out for a little bit and everyone can check out each other's boats and talk about their boats. It'd be cool to do. Um, and, yeah. And kind of, I, I've all, do they do like a guide Olympics, I think down in the keys where people get all their skiffs around. They'll do run like a song course and have like a polling race and then have like a fly <laughs> casting. It'd be kind of fun to do like some, some big, uh, big party or something like that. But I always thought like duck Island, that area we like, like, like to go hang out and camp at. Like if you got 30 skiffs packed in there, bring somebody with like an amp and play some music and bring a keg out there and have some beer or something and hang, hang out, have like a little skiff party. It'd be pretty that fun. Would be, that'd be super fun. Uh, um, and some people said that I didn't say what boat I have. It's a, it's a beaver tail mosquito. Mosquito is how you pronounce it. I think. Mosquito. Mosquito. Probably mosquito. one of the worst names they could have named a skiff. I don't know why they named it. <laughs> yeah. To be honest. We're uh, we just planned a trip to Disney World and and I was telling I was with Hannah and Zan Hannah's my wife and Zan's her sister and I was talking about how I want to try to go fish Mosquito Lagoon while we were down there and and she started making all kinds of jokes about how it sounds like a terrible place to fish super itchy you know are you itching to get down there and go fish that's <laughs> pretty funny probably should have shared that it's really not relevant or important or really even all that funny but it was one of those things where you needed to be there so I'm gonna I'm gonna give back up to somebody else but the Beaver Tail Mosquito sweet little boat. And uh, Marcio, I saw you asked what the prop was. Um, it, you can message me on Instagram if you want. Uh, but the guy's name is Jack Foreman, and I have his phone number, so I can send it to you if you want it. Jack Foreman. Yeah. Jack Foreman. Yeah, you can you can look him up on on Microskiff. He's all over Microskiff forums. Everybody talks about him. You could probably you could probably find his number on there if, if you're not able to get it anywhere else. But and that's they, also a, go ahead. Say, that's a great resource too. If you're looking at a skiff and or thinking about it, whatever, get on micro skiff and a lot of the people, if they're pretty new um, post on there, are really good about giving information and feedback if you're looking for something particular or just have general questions on a particular boat. So you will get a lot of opinions that may not always be true so you may have to weed through some stuff but you know it'll be at least a good starting point to give you an idea of kind of which directions you want to go yeah for um, sure. depending on what you're looking for you get a lot of honest yeah. feedback on there for sure yeah that and the whole truth yeah the whole truth yeah. solid. Uh, all right so let's let's jump into we'll change the track here a little bit and talk about bay boats now we don't all run bay boats but everybody wants a bay boat and a skiff or, you know, larger boats. So let's start at the top with Mike and kind of go through, all right, if you're going to go buy a bay boat tomorrow, what would you get and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, what are we looking for in a bay boat? Exactly what you want. Um, see, I think when it comes to a bay boat, for me, I would rather have something that's um, either kind of like your Jones Brothers, Cape Fisherman, um, where I can get out off the beach and kind of do that near shore thing, but also on a nice day be able to get out a little bit. Um, yeah. There's a ton of fish accessible in you know the surf zone and that that you can fish from a boat. Yeah. Um, you know, and then a big a lot of the fishing that I do is around creek mouse and that kind of stuff. So you don't need a super shallow boat um, in the off season. To be able to really get back, you know, you can fish a lot of creek mouse and catch trout, drum, flounder, that kind of stuff when it starts getting into the fall time. And, you know, a boat like that or the Pathfinder, um, any of those that are trying to kind of draft in that 12 to 14 inch range, 
you know, we'll do exactly what you want. Yeah, for um, sure. For that time of year. And even during the summer, you know, I mean, get out off the beach and go near shore, catch um, redfish on the jetty, cobia, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, All right, so. so you can only have either a power pole or a trolling motor. Which would it be? Trolling motor. Trolling motor. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. yeah, definitely trolling motor. Yeah, trolling motor just makes the boat so much more efficient and especially on a bay boat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially on a bay boat. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, even whether whether you're fishing inshore or near shore, I mean, it's just, it's so essential to be able to to go hit that, you know, spot lock on a particular spot near shore and and hit it. And kind of slowly move over a wreck or some bottom structure. It's it's, yeah, it's, it's a game pretty changer. essential. It's definitely a game yeah, near 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 sure that uh that that uh that power pole is not going to work too well. Dude, they're making a ninety <laughs> footer now. Have you seen that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure they are. Uh, you can power pull down the edge of the Gulf Stream. Oh yeah. <laughs> what about y'all, bay boat, bay boat choice? Oh man, I mean. Um, if money wasn't an issue, or just if money Dude, is money an ain't issue. an issue, man. <laughs> <laughs> Money's not an issue. Uh, oh man! If money's an issue, know. Cameron, call me after this. I can help you out, man. <laughs> <laughs> money's an issue uh, first, and then money's not an issue second. Money, money. Okay. Budget um, boat, blow it out, but so yeah, like reality, and then. Fantasy. I mean, I'd probably have to go like I've never even been on one, but I just love the way the way the way yellowfins look. Oh, you're a yellowfin uh, freak. Uh, so wait, this is your fantasy or this is your not fantasy? This is my fantasy. I was about to say, if that's your not fantasy, then man, I can't wait to hear your yeah, fantasy. Yeah, you're supposed to be not fantasy. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I, realistically, even if money wasn't an issue, I really like the pair marines um, that have come out the twenty four. Yeah. Um, okay. I'd probably get yeah. a half tower on it. Yeah. Uh, and maybe just like a single 300 on the back. And um, the 24 Explorer Andres is yeah. a really slick looking boat. And I'd probably get that with a half tower too because I'm probably, if I had something like that, I'd probably use it mostly for false albacore, cobia when they actually ever show up. Bull drum. Uh, for yeah, big drum. Maybe take it up to the Chesapeake, do some actual cobia fishing. Where <laughs> you uh, gotta go now? Go to like uh, you know, or late winter um, or late season uh, grouper fishing when you get you you can get them like twenty miles off. Um, stuff like that. I probably wouldn't use it too much for inshore. Yeah. Unless I just had a, a ton of people that wanted to go trout fishing or something and you could you know still stick to for sure somewhat deep water and stuff sure. like that yeah that those pairings are sweet that uh the andros i think would be mine for sure the 24 andros and that was the plan for a little bit and it became fan- a fantasy boat for a little while instead of a reality boat and got that used pathfinder but i'm loving that pathfinder man i think i'm gonna get a little uh like four or five foot cat bow casting tower like two-man tower strap onto the bow and take off and that'll be the sight fishing machine for 
for redfish, be able to pop two people up there, hop up there with a client and, and fish from that will be a game changer. I mean, you're still, like you, Mike, you said, you can get up to a lot of fish in 12 inches of water. Uh, I was troll motoring yeah. that, that Pathfinder the other day, sight fishing off the bow of the Pathfinder in like 12 inches of water to, to redfish. Um, and it was doing it. I mean, the problem with that is all of a sudden you, you nick bottom and you're on fish. That's that's where your trouble comes. You start you bump the bottom once or twice. You're going to spook fish. And then running the trolling motor again this time of year is a little spooky. But in the summer, man, you can get up on fish real close to the trolling motor without spooking them. It's the winter time when they get yeah. kind of tough. But, but, yeah, that 22 Pathfinder TRS has, has been a sweet little rig. I'm stoked on it. Too much power on the back for me. That 25 or 250 SHO is a little too quick for my taste. But uh, thing hauls butt. It hauls butt. <laughs> what about you, GF? Uh, I don't know, man. I definitely like this the the uh, the new Seahawks, the the Paramarines. Those those things are badass little boats. Um, I've been running. I've been fortunate enough to to steal my my pops and my brother's Seacraft this past year, and have been fishing off that near shore and doing some Albie fishing on that. And that thing's been pretty awesome as far as being able to to get through some some snot when when the you know the wind picks up and in the albies uh and the albies are running it's it's definitely a fun boat to fish off if the thing just cuts through some chop yeah. i know cameron's fished on it with me Dude, a that couple times that thing yeah i mean it's, it, it, rides so, it rides so smooth even when it's you know pretty snotty i mean it's it's got a it's got a 175 zook on it and i mean you can it it'll be like four foot chop and you could almost you know pin it down and and cut through it without banging it's just it's got a pretty big deep dead rise and it's you know it's somewhat heavy it's just a it's just a good good built boat i was out there how we fishing next to y'all this year in in the maycraft that buddies let me borrow which is the exact same hole as my jones brothers the exact same layout rides the same way in chop and everything the Jones is a little heavier. I think it actually is a little bit better in the chop, but the Maycraft is still a killer, killer boat. Um, but I was, it was rough as crap, and I was having to literally idle from school to school. And y'all were out there just, you, you, like just doing yeah. circles around me, hitting all the schools, like on plane dry. <laughs> you're like drinking a beer while you're running around, completely fine. I'm like sitting there and like you'll, this. You'll, you'll definitely get wet, but you're not going to crack your back, you know? Right. It's, you know, it's it's definitely a speed ride. But besides that, I mean, maybe if I was gonna fish like inshore and do a bunch of inshore stuff, I'd maybe do like a bay rider or something like that, where you know, you just you, where they just run super shallow. Heck yeah, um, those bay riders are sick. Yeah, and you can put five people on it and still get in like eight inches of water. Those those things are pretty sweet. I mean. I know the wolves. I think ride those bay riders down there, and, and you know, their their home is is, is about as shallow as, as any area is. Yeah, and they ride those boats just God, fine. They do so great on them. I know, right? It's it's wild. That, you see them coming to the boat ramp down there, and you're just like, what? <laughs> you're like dragging bottom <laughs> on a skiff to get out, and they're just yeah. going right into like the water. Stuck on the yeah, and they just pull up just fine. Like you know, those those guys are. Talented. <laughs> Dude, they are. They know where the prop bitches are for sure. The cool thing about that Bay Rider flat bottom, man, they've got a bunch of sizes, but it is like a freaking barge. I mean, it's great family boat to take people yeah. over to the sandbar and hang out, but then you can still go float in 10 inches of water and sight fish redfish. 
And there's a dude in town that's got a bow casting platform on his, and he posts videos of him sight fishing redfish from his tower, you know. The cool thing about those bow towers on boats, and I'm learning this coming from having a tower boat to not having a tower boat, and I don't have a bow tower yet, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to get one built before the summer, is the, the ability to just pop it off and pop it on. You know, you can take it off the boat, store it when you don't want it, get it out of the way. You know, when you're trout fishing and want four guys on the boat casting at a bank, and then throw it back on there as soon as you want to get redfish. I mean, you're not going to be able to do that on the same trip, but, it, you know, before your trip, you can kind of figure out what you need to do. Um, and, and that, that bay rider is just so stable. I mean, there's nothing more stable than a 24-foot flat bottom that's like nine feet wide. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Well, uh, one thing that I really wanted to get into here, and this might get heated, this might get a lot of comments, but... Um, I wanted to discuss kind of some of the issues that we're facing here in North Carolina. This is a hundred episode. Like I love talking fishing. Uh, I love, you know, hanging out and just kind of shooting the crap with y'all on here. But my whole heart behind this whole thing is conservation. Really. Um, you know, it does, it, I do 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 it because I, you know, it's good marketing for my guide business. I do it cause I enjoy creating the content, but at the end of the day, like I want to create successful anglers that have a voice for conservation and that want to get out there and see change in our fishery here in North Carolina. And we've got a lot of listeners from all up and down the coast, but what a lot of people don't really put together is our trout, our flounder, our redfish, they don't just live in North Carolina. Fish that we tag here get caught in South Carolina, they get caught in Virginia. A ton of our trout travel back and forth between Virginia and even Maryland and down to here and then down into South Carolina and Georgia and even into Florida. So we got a lot of crap going on here that our state still allows that we we'd really like to see um, kind of changed. And I just wanted to kind of talk to y'all about what y'all seen here in the years that y'all been fishing, what y'all would like to see change, you know, some of the issues that we're facing and, and just kind of discuss that. I don't know if anybody has an opening comment that they want to, or opening story or opening anything that they want to go into. If not, I, I can't, but I know we've all got, got stuff we want to talk about as far as this goes. And you guys, I did shave my beard off. I've seen that in the comments a couple of times. <laughs> Huge regrets. <laughs> Before we get into this serious conversation, one of the biggest regrets of my life, for sure. I have not had a beard in about eight years. And uh, True story, I've been on a diet. I lost a good bit of weight, and I thought I'd maybe lost this, this uh, double chin here, but I hadn't. <laughs> so I shaved the beard off. The double chin is bigger and badder than ever, so I'm just hoping for this uh, hair to grow back out as quickly as I possibly can so I can trim it down and make myself look skinny again. So. Uh, did uh did you did you go and surprise your baby like right after you did it you know kind of like go snuggle up next to him and then go shave real quick and then come right back to the baby see if he recognized you he was asleep <laughs> but the next morning he looked at me like completely fine hannah was absolutely freaked out hey, hey this is the best about the story is his wife had never known him without a beard she's never seen him without at least <laughs> yeah. like an inch and a half long beard <laughs> So did you tell her you shave it before you shaved it? I was talking about it a little bit and been thinking about it, you know, because I thought I was going to have a chiseled jawline again. And uh, <laughs> and so she she was actually in the baby's bedroom feeding the baby, and I was in the hall bathroom. I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I'm like running the yeah. thing and just faking her out. And like I was just kind of trimming it down normally. And she came out, and she's like, oh, my gosh, I thought you had done it. And I was like, what, you don't want me to do it? And I just went, meow, and just took a big chunk out of the side. <laughs> And then I finally shaved it all off, and she she truly had to like leave the room I was in for a good two hours. She couldn't look at me. She was like, "You look, you're a different person. You're acting different." You're, she she did not like it, but now she's kind of she can look at me again a little bit, so we're good. Oh man, that's she even kissed me the other day. 
That's awesome. Yeah, man. I like it, man. You look good. Thanks, you man. Look good. You look good. You look younger. It looks like you took five years off. I look like a younger, fatter me. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of how I think I look. Um, ah, come on. <laughs> enough talking about my face, though. Let's talk about the face of our fishery. <laughs> um, Jeff, what? I don't know why I keep going to you for. Anybody have anything they want to kind of start this out with? And if you have any questions you want us to answer, let us know. Oh, man. I mean, I feel like just from when me and Judd started fishing in college, I mean, me and you're going on friends for almost 10, 11 years now. It's crazy to think about that. But, you know, from when we started fishing then to fishing now, just the reduction in the amount of trout that we've seen. Mm. Um, you know, we've had a few good years here and there, but it's just not staying consistently good every year anymore. Um, I know like when we were in college, we, you know, we had three, four years of good fishing, it seemed like, and then it just kind of slowly went down. Last year was a good year, and then this year it was kind of back down again. Um, and then talking about redfish, you know, Taylor's being used to go and just hop in the skiff and go for an afternoon, you know, and get 10, 15 shots. Now you go work, you know, an afternoon or whatever, and you might get five shots some days. Um, that would be a good definitely. Do it. Be a good day. Yeah, and you know it's like where are fish going? What's happened to them? But you know, and flounder too. You know, even back then in college, fishing for a flounder, taking your mom out and going to catch a few flounder here and there in the afternoons. You know, it wasn't it wasn't hard to do, I guess I should say. And now it seems like you really got to put your time in. You got to search. You got to find them. So you can definitely tell there's a huge difference in the way our fishery fishes, the amount of fish that are here. Um, and we can see it in just a short time. So, yeah, no, I agree, man. The, the flat, the, the tailing fishing, I mean, it's taken a huge hit. That's not, I mean, I don't think the fish are being targeted there, you know, commercially, but the, the fish are pressured. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess a lot of guys sneak in there and they're putting those nets up close to those flats as they drain off. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're they're hit. I mean, you go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you know, you're good. You're good. I, I, I just, we've seen, I mean, I know we talk about it all the time, Jeff, because you, me, and Mike, we used to all t- fish the flood tide years ago when, when we kind of got into the whole sight fishing, fly fishing thing, but... Um, it, I see way less. I mean, like you're saying, like we used to go in the grass, just pick a random flat that we've never pulled before, go yeah. pull it, and see 20 redfish on it. And now, yeah, and I mean, there's some zones that are doing that, but but the the majority of it is is pretty barren. Yeah, yeah. They're I think they're they're hitting those drainage points. You know, I I I see it a good bit while I'm I'm fishing for tailors. Right, you you're running out of a flat and and there's a there's a a gill net laying right across that drainage point right where those fish kind of funnel in to get in and out of that that grass flat and and i think that's probably part of the reason why why the uh the tailing fishing in certain areas has has gotten really bad over the past years it's just it's just ridiculous man i I mean you can just go on and on about it it's it's and, and the worst part about it is is there's no policing of it right there there are regulations to kind of help protect certain species of fish from gill nets but there's no policing right when's the last time any one of us has ever been checked by 
you know, a wildlife officer. Yeah. Yeah. I'd Just the survey people at the boat ramp is really all I get checked, stopped by and talked to by. Yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. And it's pretty rare. Yeah. It's, pretty, it's rare. pretty rare and it's pretty rare in comparison to at least my experiences in into some bordering states such as South Carolina and, and and Virginia and Maryland especially. I mean it's just I mean there's I've been you know stopped on the water probably once in the past 5 years. Whereas Maryland, I mean I I barely ever fish up here anymore and it's like every other time I go fishing I'm getting stopped by somebody. Yeah. It's just you can't if you don't have anyone to enforce the the, the rules and laws. There's, I mean, they, they really don't exist. You know what I mean? Uh, here's right. a question that I wanted to answer real quick. Caleb Hofer said, "Judd as a guide and someone who wants to represent the face of conservation uh, on the North Carolina coast. How do you justify killing multiple limits of redfish and trout on your trips?" And so that's a good question for me because because I struggle with that a lot. Uh, I definitely love catch and release. I push catch and release on my trips. And everyone that I talk to, every client that I have on the boat, you know, when they want to keep fish, I, I'm like, hey, we can definitely keep fish. Let's keep, you know, what, you, what you're going to eat, what you, what you think you're going to eat during the week. I mean, it's our resource to be able to go. Like, it belongs to the taxpayer, the person that's paying the taxes the, to the state. I mean, that's who owns that fishery. They are the people that should be allowed to go and harvest the fish to bring them home to eat. For me to profit as a guide, that's not an argument. I can't say that these fish need to be here so I can make more money in my guide business. My my, my fight is that p- these fish need to be here in this water because it's a, it's a public resource for the taxpayer. Like what, the, the dad and his little boy need to be able to go out on the weekend and go catch some flounder and keep them. And I'm always fighting my clients and asking them, hey, you know, let's keep one or two redfish and maybe a couple trout. And you just get guys, they, they're paying for the day on the water you know, I don't have a no catch, a only catch and release policy on my boat because I just don't. I leave it up to the people, but I at least voice, you know, what I think is important and the importance of conservation and sharing with them the views that I have about why it's important to keep fish in the water and let them make that decision themselves. You know, I, I keep overall very few fish, um, you know, for the amount of times that I'm actually in the water. I'd say 90% of the fish that I catch every year inshore are released. Um, but it's a great teaching point, whether people want to keep fish or not. I mean, if they're, if they're members of our state or, 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 you know, they bought a fishing license, they've got the right to harvest some fish and a couple of fish doesn't hurt. But where are, you know, me keeping limits of trout every day of trout season is not something that I want to do. It's something that people want to do because they think they, they should be allowed to. If we managed our resource correctly and there was enough of those fish in the water, it wouldn't be an issue. But it's hard for me to tell a client that gets on the boat that starts catching 18 inch trout, 20 inch trout, that they can't keep them. You know, it's hard. It's a hard battle. Um, but I at least use it as a time to coach and teach. And, and so that's kind of my answer for that. But uh, it's a great question. Um, it, it really is. So I appreciate you asking that, Caleb. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we have a lot of issues here, and, and overfishing overall is, is a big issue. So, um, I think as recreational anglers, we're responsible too. I, I saw it down in Texas with the big fish kill they had. They're like pushing hard for a release, um, uh, 2021 all release. Just release everything you catch this year. Um, and I like eating fish, but I don't, I'll, I don't care about eating fish all that much. You know, I don't need to keep any fish personally. The amount of fish I keep personally is, I mean, I, me and my wife might eat fish 10 times a year, really. <laughs> I should lead with. I should end that with a question. So, anybody else want to kind of kind of take a stab at this? Well, I'm just reading through some of the comments, trying to keep up with that and some of the questions. You know, 
the gill nutters are they are an issue, but when they stay within their bounds, you know, if they go instead of gill net and they catch flounder, but redfish are bycatch and they can't keep them all, that's a wasted resource because they're just getting thrown away. They're getting wasted. They're already dead. Um, you know, the same thing for trout. Um, if they catch their limit and they've wrapped up, you know, a school of 300 fish, they can only keep 100, let's say, on their boat or whatever the number is or poundage. You know, they're throwing away a lot of resource. And I think that's, at least from, like, what I saw a lot of when I worked in the state, that's, like, the biggest thing that's really harming us with gill nets is they're indiscriminate. Um, you know, and it's not, like, gill nets are the end of the world. They are doing the majority of the harm, you know, as far as being indiscriminate, not being able to decipher what you're catching and what you're keeping um, without wasting. And the same thing with shrimp trawls, you know, and that that's the biggest issue with shrimp trawls inshore is when you go out and you do a shrimp trawl and you catch 10 pounds of shrimp and 200 pounds of bycatch, I mean, let's say they trawl for 45 minutes. The fish that gets picked up in the first 30 minutes of that, by the time they've been drugged for 45 minutes, they're all dead. And, yeah. you know, they're three, four-inch juvenile fish that are growing up to replenish our stock, and they're they're not an option anymore. They're, they're gone. So, you know, it's not necessarily that commercial fishing is a bad thing. It's just the ways that we're going about it and um, just how wasteful and indiscriminate the way that we're doing it is, I yeah. feel like, is a lot of um, and I'm also seeing on here like recreational anglers are not contributing or do you think recreational anglers are not contributing to this problem at all? I mean, guys, that that's a big one for each individual person that's going out and fishing. You know, like Jeff said, we're not getting checked a ton. There's not a ton of people out there policing it. So, you know, if you go and you find a five redfish and you keep five, that, that one's on you to not, you know, take care of the resource that you're given. The rules are there. The rules are put in place. There is a ton more recreational fishermen, but there is a lot of fish out there. It's definitely getting tougher, but, you know, you've got to decide on your own, you know, like Judd said, do you need to keep one redfish every time you go out? Do you need to keep four flounder every time you go out and you catch four, you know? Keep the one that you want for the week or whatever and eat it and release the rest of them. Yeah. So. I think a big thing, like, keep what you're going to eat that night. Like, that's a good way to check yourself. Yeah. Like, if you can eat it, if you're going to take the time to clean it when you get home and eat it that night. I mean, a lot of people here are are, not, are watching. They probably live on the coast. So th this might not apply if you live in Raleigh and you come down for the weekend and fish for the weekend and then go home. But, I mean, if you live here on the coast and get to fish a couple times a week or even a couple times a month and you want to do, you know, a small part that you can, every fish you push, put back in the water is a fish that has a chance to stay in the water for us to catch again and to, you know, repopulate the ocean with more baby fish so that's kind of how i look at it man every one that you do let go is important but also with every person you're on the boat with like sh taking that moment to share the importance of why you like to let the fish go you know we're, we're getting more and more to that point of where bass fishermen are where they're like oh you know you just catch and release uh, but we're not there yet so cameron you got any wisdom to drop uh, Y'all dropped a lot of wisdom. I'm just trying to take it in. Um, Learn you something? No, I, think, I think a lot of us know what the problems are, right? We're one of the only states on the East Coast that still allows some of the commercial techniques that, that they use for um, 
commercial fishing, right? And yeah. some of them are destructive. Uh, other states still have commercial fishing, and they seem to be doing all right. I mean, take South Carolina, for instance, who now has, like, a, a fantastic fishery. Um, a lot of it's because they changed the ways that they that they practice commercial fishing. I mean, by no means am I against commercial fishing, but I think there's, uh, like Mike said, there's a lot um, more sophisticated, better ways to reduce the amount of bycatch and um, just wasted fish. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely, I would say recreational anglers play a big part of it too. I mean, when the trout bites really hot and everyone's going out and taking fish home, taking your limit and someone else's limit and two other people that you brought on limit home, like that's a pretty decent chunk of fish yeah. and but not super necessary. And I feel like I'm reiterating what I feel like I'm summarizing everything. No, <laughs> no, you're bringing some, some, some points. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I would completely agree. Um, if you if you're gonna take fish, just take what you need for that night. Like if you're anything like me and you put fish in the freezer, it's probably gonna stay in the freezer for a year. Yeah. And I've tried to like completely avoid doing that now. And I mean, everyone likes would much prefer fresh fish over fish that's been frozen for six months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I think we all play a part. I think there's better techniques that we can do in commercial fishing. I don't think it should go away. I just think there's there's better techniques that's all yeah um no i I agree for sure uh here's a comment that we can tackle with super chatted by the cam tam it says i think social media and the x-man uh limits has i'm trying to understand this question has led to overfishing on the recreational side guild editing drives wreck fishing greediness unfortunately um i i think that's true like i've definitely talked to people whose mindset is like you know, if I don't keep it, it's going to die in a gill net anyways. And maybe that's what you're talking about here. But, um, you know, we just got to get in this mindset of, of I don't know. There, there's no there's no perfect answer here. There really is no perfect answer. But we are at a point in our resource, I feel like, that we need change. You know, I want everyone to have a job. I want everyone to be able to get out and enjoy the resource. But, you know, we've closed Flounder down to a – X amount of day season and you, and they're proposing you can only keep one per person, um, you know, this coming year. And, and I'm okay with these issues to get our fishery back and, and these, these answers to get our fishery back to where it needs to be. But I mean, we should be the best flounder fishery in the country. North Carolina should be. Um, and, and even with where we're at, we're still a darn good flounder fishery. And, and, you know, four trout a person, you know, is four trout too many? Is it not enough? And, and one redfish, I mean, most other states are allowing three to five redfish. Not that we need to keep that many fish. I don't think we need to, but uh, we we are very depleted on our stocks of fish and, and, and need to see a change so that we can all benefit from it, you know, in the long run. so that our kids can get out there. And I'm not, I'm, I'm just like, y'all, I'm not sitting here trying to be against commercial fishermen. I, I go to the fish house all the time and buy fish and shrimp and stuff like that. But um, just we're getting too effective and taking too much out of the water for what's actually being replenished back. That number is, is dwindling as opposed yeah. to growing. If we manage it correctly, we should be able to harvest them commercially and recreationally and have a growing stock number. And that's not what we have. And that's what I want to see change. You know, at the end of the day, that's really what I want to see change. Yeah. So, um, uh, do we have any other good questions, 
coming in here. What's the reason behind the state oh, not doing? What were you saying, Mike? Uh, I was just gonna say, guys. One thing to think about too for our listeners is we're shutting down a flounder fishery this year. Don't think that next year it's gonna be solved. You know, the what we're doing now isn't something that we're gonna see results on for probably at least three to four years. You know, this year we had a really good flounder stock. They made it to, you know, their time of year to be able to mate and spawn those fish. You know, next year they're going to be one to two inches long. The next year, you know, or they might get up to four to six inches long next year. The next year, you know, they're going to start getting into that 10 to 12, 14 inch range. Um, but it's really going to be three years from now before we really see that wave of fish you know, start coming into our keeper limit size of 15 inches or better. So, you know, it's kind of put away today for what can come tomorrow. Um, idea of looking at it. So, you know, yeah, it sucks this year, but if we take the hit now, we take the hit again, maybe next year, maybe for the next three or four years, then, you know, in three to four years, we're going to, from this year and the next year and whatever, that stock being able to grow as much as it does and then that many more fish to spawn, um, you know, is really going to be, <clears throat> sorry, we'll really be able to make a huge difference then. So, you know, this is something that we've definitely got to start thinking about now to make the difference um, where we can see it here in a few years. Yeah, most definitely. It's a, it's a long game kind of deal. It's like investing. Yeah. Real estate. You know, you're we're, we're, we're trying to, do the right things now so that in the future it's not, you know, completely destroyed um, from what it is now. I mean, it's, it's, we've got some awesome fishing here, but, but to know it could be better and to know it's not a healthy, stable um, resource is, is tough. You know, we want to see that change here. Um, I, is there anything else? Oh, one thing too is if you go follow, and there's a lot, you know, North Carolina, there's a lot of back and forth on people like CCA, they don't like CCA. They're, you know, in my opinion, they're every day they're out there fighting for the resource. There's, there's no reason that we shouldn't, you know, shouldn't back them. But um, they're on their Instagram page. You can click on their link tree in their bio, and it's going to always have the updated web links to where you can go uh, submit your public comment. We've got a public hearing in North Carolina. Um, the 25th and 26th that you can listen to. They're going to talk about some of the issues that we're going to be there, that the board is going to be, excuse me, voting on for this year. It's just a, you know, the, the hard thing is some people are like, what can I do? How can I make a difference? What can I change? Um, it's hard to kind of know when these meetings are or what to do. So CCA through their, you know, their link tree deal in their bio, or their Instagram, they're going to have all those, those websites and stuff that you need to go check out and kind of keep you updated there. So go follow them on Instagram. It's, it's CCANC um, on Instagram and they'll keep you updated. But it, you know, even on these public hearings that we're going to have, I think we have four a year, um, right in if you're a South Carolina angler, if you're a Georgia angler, if you're a Virginia angler, cause these fish migrate between everyone's water. And so it, you know, what we're doing here affects what you're seeing up there. It affects what you're seeing down South. Uh, it's just important to be, you know, vocal no matter where you are. So, um, I think that's, that's my kind of little spiel on this. I'm going to remind y'all one more time. If you do want to have a chance to win some of the giveaway stuff, you can just super chat every dollar that you super chat. Uh, it gives you a one chance to each dollar is, is one, um, entry and, and your chances to win some of the awesome giveaway stuff. We're going to 
go over that at the end and give that stuff away at the end of this broadcast. But um, I was trying to look back into some of the fishing questions so we can maybe end on a positive note. Uh, was there anything – what are you all most looking forward to kind of going into the spring here, kind of you know, transitioning out of these colder temps into some, some warmer ones fishing-wise? Before we uh, switch over to that, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. One no, question. Going. Mike, so Mike was a marine, uh, biology, marine biology major, so he's the, he's the man to talk to here. Um, Worked for Vincent Cashman. Um, he said in Florida, flounder limits are going from 10 to 5, and minimum size is going to 14 inches from 10 inches. Um, looking at size limits and the size limits and the amount of fish that you can keep, if you think about a fish population, it's managed – Starting out at year zero, when the fish are born the first year, that's when you're going to have the most fish. They haven't been susceptible to predation, people catching them, all of that kind of stuff. And then every year you expect to see a certain amount of drop, whether it's 20%, 30%, whatever, just through natural loss of fish. So if you look at some of our, like our state um, is 18 to 27 inches and we can keep one fish. I know South Carolina, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be, um, I think it was like, 15 or 16 to 22 but you could keep two fish um and that's just because that size class of fish being that you're catching them earlier and they're a little smaller there's more of those fish because we haven't lost as many of those fish due to predation natural causes that kind of stuff so the fish stock is bigger for those smaller fish so looking at some of the states and um their different regulations hopefully that'll shed a little bit of light on you know how to think about them because every year you're starting back over at ground zero for that group of fish even though they're you know eventually going to be added to your keeper stock or your spawning um stock down the road you know every year class starting at zero um then you are you know 100 percent let's say and then you're losing 20 percent every year um from there so and that's kind of how they pick size limits and um how many you can keep per day so yeah it's it's kind of nice to know how all these decisions and factors are figured out you know what i mean because some people are like what the heck they're closing flounder season uh or they're closing the ability to be able to keep flounder and giving us a season you know (laughs) so so being able to have a resource in which you can um learn this stuff better i think is something we as a state need to, to do better you know like if people want to ha- have a question answer about like why is fonder closed like what can i see the studies you can it's just hard to get your hands on all that stuff so um definitely uh we we lost a, a good uh really good resource here it was wyatt from salt strong and man he lived up here for a couple of years working for salt strong but was just fighting the good fight as far as you know conserving the resource not fighting for recreational or commercial or anything like that but just a good voice for conserving the resource and yeah i just saw him on the chat so i wanted to give him a shout out um and say thank you for that you need to keep fighting for us from texas as well so that's gonna be you got your own issues now with all your thousands of trout killed but um <laughs> you, can, you can you can still give us a little love when you can but um but yeah, so I just saw a good – anybody else have anything in that realm that you want to talk about before we move out of that? No. We could right. go about this for hours. We could go about it. I think we should do – maybe we'll do a live stream question and answer sometime just about this. Uh, I wanted to touch on it because I really wanted to talk about the public hearing. And so you can get the link to the public hearing on the CCA NC Instagram as well. Um, and that'll be, I can't, do, do y'all remember the time that it's going to be? 
Um, I think it's at like I think it's in the morning. It's in the morning. Okay. Um, I think so. Yeah, I guess because they used to do the public hearing when you went in person in the evenings, but now they're probably doing it in the morning. Um, yeah, but tell tell them what you said that they had received the most. Oh yeah, Caleb, Caleb, hit this up in the comments. You texted me while I was on the water. I forgot to text you back, but uh, you sent me about like the something about the most um, public entries that they've had the whole time that they've been doing these online public hearings. So so share that in the comments, so then I can share it out loud. Um, here on the page, but that was really cool to see, um, and very, very uh, encouraging. You know, people want to see change, and everyone wants to do their part, and, and to have the ability to go and, and write in these public comments has been pretty sweet. And to see, you know, the the sharing and the posting online um, has been really cool as well. So, um, if you don't mind sharing that, Caleb, I'll, I'll throw that out on here. Um, but I had a question here, and I'll, I'll jump back into that when when he gives that to me. But Jack Sherman, I think this will be a great way because we can. This will be another freaking rabbit hole that we can go down. Um, but he said, do you guys have any crazy slash spooky slash wild fishing stories we need to hear? <laughs> and I think we've got a couple, couple of those stories. Does anything come to mind for any of y'all just to get this one rolling? Hmm. Pondering, pondering, pondering. I have Speaking one. Of- yeah, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I was gonna say I think the first time me and John went to Louisiana, like, um, like they just had a deep freeze down there right now. Like the first trip we went down, the first fish we saw, Judd casted a fly at it, and the fly just said tink. I'm like, what in the heck? And there was wait, that was me because I always tell the story that you were the one casting. Maybe I was. I don't remember. <laughs> I just know it was wild. Like they're like, oh, we've never seen temperatures this cold in like you know ten or fifteen years, and then. When we got down there, I think it was 8 degrees when we left from here and headed down there. I think it was, like, maybe 30 degrees that morning when we got out on the water. But, um, yeah, like, the fly just hit ice, and redfish just kind of spooked. And we had to go find another pond that didn't have ice down the bank so we could, you know, be able to fish. Um, Then, like, a few days later, it was, like, 55 and foggy as all get out. We had no GPS or anything on the boat, so we had a handheld GPS, and use that to go like 15 miles from the boat ramp out into the marsh and just wandered around found fish had a great trip but um definitely just like crazy weather swings and everything else while we were down there was made it tough but a lot of fun that was funny when i took you back down there the other year too this is kind of funny um we ran out to an outer island chain that i will not share the name of because somebody will stab me um, but we ran, I, we, we had somehow had the right weather. Me and Mike were able to make this like 40 mile run in a flat skiff. You got to bring extra gas and get out to this area. And it is just bull red fish schools floating everywhere. I mean, absolutely everywhere. And I'm running the trolling motor with like 30 feet of water, just out in the middle of nowhere, no, near no shoreline or anything. And it was so calm. So you could see these schools waking all around, just floating on the surface. And I tied a popper on for Michael and just made him keep catching fish. He's like, dude, I don't need to catch. I was like, you're never going to have this opportunity again. Just keep casting. And you cast and hook a fish and get it to the boat. And I pop it off. I'm like, throw it in there again. And just made him keep catching him and keep catching him and keep catching him. That was a fun day. Um, just floating out in the middle of nowhere watching freaking redfish smash poppers. Um, God, there's some, some crazy. I got some good stories from Louisiana. But Jeff, you, or Cameron, were you about to share something? Nah, I... Can't remember what I was gonna share. Go ahead, Jeff. Let's hear yours. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have anything off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I don't know. Didn't you break down in Louisiana one time you came down to visit and had to get towed in? Yes. That was yep. pretty good. Yeah, I sure did. I sure did. We, uh... We were day, I can't remember, maybe three, day, th- day three out of six or so. And for those who have not fished Louisiana, it's a pretty far run to get out to those, you know, Louisiana is kind of shaped like a boot. You're, you're running out to the tip of the boot where those outer islands are. And it's, it's a good, I'd say, I don't know, Judd, what would you say, maybe 15 miles or so until you kind of start getting out there that outer edge 15 to 20 just yeah depending on where you go yeah 15 20 miles or so out to the outer edge which is a pretty long yeah, long bit for a small little yeah it's a long run for a small skiff no cell phone service and no no cell phone service and we didn't have a vhf or anything like that classic you know, classic being real smart <laughs> um, and uh on our way in we were running and just started hearing the kind of this knocking, like just knocking from the engine. And sure enough, we just kind of broke down right on the edge, and and we're sitting there like, oh man, this is not good. And sure enough, uh, a dude came rolling past us in, in a skiff, and we waved him down. Some guys from Florida, and were super nice, and you know gave us a tow in and gave us a couple beers, and we just made it in all right because of them thanks to them if they're out there but um yeah that was not a not a fun time i hope they're out there somewhere <laughs> yeah i hope they're out there somewhere listening dude i broke yeah, down out there one time we ran out first thing in the morning we ran like 20 miles out to like a some outside stuff broke down or, or pulled you know ran out there perfectly fine pulled down this one bank had a couple shots at some fish and i was gonna run out to this next little island which is maybe like a mile away and crank my motor, run about 50 yards, and it goes, and just cuts out on me completely. Like, start pumping the gas line, messing with all this different stuff. And the wind's blowing like 10 miles an hour straight at me. And I was way the frick away from any of the main channels or ditches that um, people run in and out of. And so the only thing I could see was was an oyster boat. They dragged for oysters there. um, And there was an oyster boat probably three miles away from me that I could see dragging for oysters in this little area. So I started running my trolling motor at like 10 and ran it. I hadn't charged it. I I don't use it down there a ton. And so it it lasted me probably 15 minutes going towards them. And then that died. And then at that point, I swear the wind, I don't know, maybe I'm just making it up, but it was blowing harder. And I had to pull like two miles straight in like eight feet of water to this boat and I finally got close enough as they were leaving to run the other way that somebody that was standing on the back of the boat saw me waving my arms. And they came over. I didn't have – I usually carry like a spot text deal out down there so I can text people from out there if I had an issue. Uh, I, I, that was not charged. And so they saw me, came over, hooked me up, and towed me in. And uh, we, we were fine. They were actually gave us some fresh oysters on the way back and hung out. But we'd only, we only fished like 45 minutes that day and didn't get in until like 5 o'clock. Um, but it was, it was pretty, pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. Yeah. Cameron, you got anything? I can't think of a scary, spooky story. Uh, if I have one, it'd probably have been with Jeff. Um, 
I can think of a crazy story though. Let's hear the crazy uh, story. It's actually um, the time I can't remember two summers ago. It's just a, a cool fishing story. But you, me, and Jeff had gone out and we had bottom fished um, with uh, my dad, and we came in. We caught in a couple false albacore or whatever. We anchored up on a wreck, doing some more bottom fishing, and a wave is coming towards us, and all of a sudden, there's just this massive tiger shark swimming through the wave, and there's two cobias swimming on the back of it, and, this, and we're all like, oh, grab the bucktails, grab the bucktails, and we're all there. Oh, that was a big old tiger. Yeah, big old tiger. Oh, and, yeah, that was uh, tiger. And so the shark disappears, we're like, all right, there's our one chance for the cobia. Um, that shark's not coming back. And then I think Jeff had the bright idea to um, just chop Blind up. cast. No, no, no. Oh, okay. You chopped up the false albacore that we had caught and tied it on a rope onto the cleat. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah, ten minutes later, all of a sudden this tiger shark just surfaces and bites the false albacore off the back of the boat, starts swimming away. This all happened in like three seconds. And somehow Judd has the wherewithal to grab one of the rods. With I think I already had it in my hand. <laughs> throw it over the tiger shark's back and hook one of the cobia. And I was like, what just happened? That was a pretty cool experience. And then Jeff yeah. just continues blind casting a jig and hooks a nice cobia <laughs> right off the side of the boat. Yeah, there was, there was two. There was two cobias. There was one bigger one, which you had caught. And there was one smaller one that was underneath the tiger too and I, I was just blind casting in the direction which the tiger shark had like disappeared and a couple minutes later I hooked up on like what <laughs> may have been that smaller cobia I don't I don't know and you were yeah, like was... <laughs> you said so surprised when you said the hook into something like you had completely convinced yourself you weren't yeah, gonna catch yeah. anything yeah for sure I mean I I, I did not expect it yeah, that, that was, was a good story that was a good that story was a good, that was that was funny. Da- Davis, my good buddy, said that uh, this is a pretty good little story. I don't want to get into poop stories on the water because I, I, I don't want to share that about my, myself. I've got some crazy ones. But Davis just said he, I pooped off the side of my boat before I asked my now wife's father for permission to marry her. Which is pretty good. Um, I, don't, I, I, don't, I hope that helped You know, with the permission. I don't know if it helped or hurt, but... Um, yeah, I've got some crazy poop stories. Maybe that, well, that's a podcast of itself. But Caleb just wrote back with that stuff. He said, I work with a commissioner. He showed me all the comments they received today in a PDF format. It's 158 pages long, which is about 100 pages longer than anyone has ever seen. 99% of the comments were recreational guys voicing their disapproval of gillnets and the flounder split. And then he said, it was nice seeing so many familiar faces in the comments like Tommy Mongo, Todd, and others. Um he was blown away and told me how much sway it has for the two guys that are always on the fence. Hopefully it helps, which is pretty awesome. You know, a hundred pages longer than normal comments, 99% recreational. Uh, I mean, our voice does matter. I mean, our voice unified like this, pushing for, for change. Definitely. I mean, people listen to it. They've got to listen to it. Um, And that's been, you know, that's super cool. So I'm excited to see what they say, you know, during the, the live comments and, or the live feed, so that'll be that'll be pretty sweet, pretty pretty sweet. But um, I guess you know we're getting towards the end of this. I'm looking here, we're at an hour and fifteen minutes, and you know that's and we had what another thirty minutes before she crashed on us. So and people are starting to fizzle out of here. But I do want to 
Is there anything else y'all want to touch on before we end this live stream? Do the do the giveaway? And and I've got all this Z-Man stuff here. I can't give it all away, but I'm gonna pick a bunch of packs and scroll through here in a second and just pick a comment. Not a super chatty comment, just a normal comment, and whoever I land on will get that. Um, and I will do it showing the screen so that no one thinks that I'm lying about it. But anything else y'all want to kind of hit before we uh, before we get done? Finish up. I don't want to talk about anything. Y'all ready to get to bed? I'm good. <laughs> Guys, let me know in the comments real quick now too if you if you did enjoy the live stream minus the crashing part. If you want to see more live stream stuff, let us know. Um, this isn't something that we're going to be able to pull off every week, but maybe once a month or once every other month. It's fun to get on here and chat and um, just kind of hang out with y'all and do some giveaways as well, some raffles. Uh, but but uh, yeah, let me know if you like it. We'll we'll try to bring y'all some more, but. Guess it's time to do a little little giveaway action, huh? Little raffle action and a giveaway action. So the way this gonna, works, what were you saying? Uh, I was gonna say I'm gonna head on and go help Ashley with the baby. Thanks for all the love, guys, and for everybody tuning in. I'm gonna tune out, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Later. Good luck, with the baby. Mike. All right, Michael. See you, Mike. See y'all. He's gone now. All right. Um, Sweet. So we've got us three left. Gonna have to readjust these camera angles now because it's way closer to my face. But um, I'm gonna pick. I'll pick five packs of Z-Man to give away to one person, and then we've also got the reels and everything. So the way this works, as far as the the raffle goes, is every time you super chatted a dollar, for every dollar you super chatted, it's one raffle ticket. I got this idea from my buddy Alex Rudd, who's got an awesome YouTube channel, Bass Fishing. Um, he lives over in, in Tennessee, so go check him out you know, on YouTube if you want some cool bass fishing content. But um, we are going to, uh, as y'all super chatted, Cameron entered everybody's name, you know, on a Google sheet, which is a, like a spreadsheet document, um, that many times on the spreadsheet. And then there's a randomized button, so he's able to randomize it. And I'm going to get, um, we'll get Jeff to pick some random numbers, and whatever number he picks, then we will scroll to that name, and Cameron will tell y'all who the winner is. So for the first giveaway, we're going to do the pin or the first raffle prize, we're going to do the pin Clash 2. Um, were you able to get caught up on the Super Chat, Cameron? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was. Awesome, awesome. So, um, Jeff, give what is our total number on the Super Chat? It was... If you just scroll all the way down to the bottom of the spreadsheet on the left, it should give you that number, the last name. 474. 474, okay. So pick a random number, Jeff Forrest, between one and four hundred seventy-four. Uh, three hundred and twelve. Three hundred twelve. Three twelve. That is <laughs> Judy Brock. <laughs> That's my mom. So we can definitely not we cannot give her the real. So we'll pick another number. <laughs> Sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. All right. Who we got? That's awesome. Sorry, Mom. I did also Judy Brock. I am not freaking kidding you. All right. Pick, pick another number. <laughs> donated. She donated $400, didn't she? <laughs> no, I think she did 20 That's pretty funny. All right. Next number. Jeff, you're a terrible number picker. Jeff, you're bad at picking numbers. Go again. Am I muted? No. Se- 72. 72. 72. Judy Brock. Bob, 
Bob Shepard. Bob Shepard, yeah. you win the pin clash too. Sorry, mom. I'll get you some if you need some more fishing gear. I'll get it for you myself. But pin clash too. Bob Shepard, uh, hit us up on Instagram. Go to Judd Brock Fishing on Instagram and say, "Hey, I'm Bob Shepard. Um, I won the pin clash too." If you don't have Instagram, go over to Facebook and do it. And if you don't have that, um, go on my most recent YouTube video, not this one. Uh, and, and comment on there, but hopefully you have Instagram. You can go over there and do that. If not, I'll find you up, Bob Shepard. I'm going to write these down too, just in case people don't get up with me. So, all right. The next reel we're going to do is the pin battle three. This is a brand new reel. My buddy from pin sent it to me, but it does not have a case. I will ship it in a box. Um, so y'all never before use, but the pin battle three, pretty sweet reel. Um, give us another number, Jeff. Uh, 15. 15. Margaret Veneer? Margaret Veneer. Viner Veneer. Viner Veneer. My my mom just texted me and said, it's for a grandson. I'm just going to have to buy her real and give it to her. (laughs) (laughs) I'll buy you a real mom and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you for a grandson. Um, All right. Bob Shepard was the first one? Yeah. Bob Shepard, and then the battle three is Margaret Veneer. All right, so the next. All right, there we go. Next one is going to be, let's do the AFTCO knife and um, and fluorocarbon leader material. Jeff, hit us with a number. 28. Do you have four? Uh, how many numbers do you have? Keep picking. I guess it doesn't really matter. All right, 28. Will you, you make it bigger? Matt Crump. Matt Crump. Matt Crump. When's the AFCO gear? Um, yeah, give us a big number on this next one. We're going to do. How, how big? Like well, 20,000. one. One through and, what? And 474. Wow, there's that many? <laughs> yes. Jeez. That was that many comments. That many comments. Oh. Wow. Okay. Uh, 361. 361. 361. This was for the Marshaller, right? Paul Wright. Paul Wright. Paul Wright. What's up, Paul? Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Um, you win the Marshwear hoodie. And, and again, get with me on Instagram, you guys, or if you've got my number. I know I'm Paul's little client of mine. You can text me. Um, some of the stuff I have, some of it is going to be shipped directly from the companies to you. Um, so Paul Wright gets the Marshwear. So we've got – what else do we have to give away? The Ice Strike. This is the, the kit and caboodle right here. This is what I'm stoked about. This is what I want to win. So it's $250 worth of Ice Strike gear. It's every single jig they make, a couple of them. Um, and then a t-shirt. So think long and hard about this number, Jeff. Who's going to win the, the big uh, Marsh or the big eye strike giveaway? Big kitten caboodle. Oh. 245. 245. If it's Judy Brock Bob, again. <laughs> is it? Wow. Bob Shepard. Bob Shepard. He won twice. That is yes. impressive. You can't win twice. Can you not? I didn't state that. I didn't state that rule before. 
<laughs> How about we'll do this? Bob, in the comments, if you want to win twice, you can win twice. If you want to be nice and pick one item and let let us re-raffle one of the other ones, let us know in the comments. And we will we'll do that. I know you're on here. I just saw you comment. And, it, and you can be greedy. You won twice. You did the super chats. But if you want to give someone a chance to win one of these, you can. Let's hear what your answer is. We're waiting. Greed. <laughs> Big greed. While we're waiting, what would y'all do if you had won, Cameron? And I, actually, I shouldn't say this because I don't want to make Bob feel bad. He did the super chat. He won both of them. I 100% would keep it. Yeah, I would too. I would too. Yeah. Bob said, heck yeah. I don't know if he means heck yeah, I want it. Yeah, or... is it heck yeah, I want both or heck yeah, I want to share the love? <laughs> <laughs> don't feel bad either way, Bob. Everyone's saying, no pressure, Bob. We love you, Bob. <laughs> and if you want to just keep one, let us know which one you want to keep, Bob. Bob, Bob, Bob. It's a fun name to say, man. Uh, what you would keep? You would you would choose greed, Mike? I mean, uh, Cameron. Oh man! Keep it, Bob. <laughs> Everyone's telling him to keep it. I thought we were gonna get blown up. I thought people were gonna say it was rigged. I can't believe you got your mom. We got your mom twice in a row. That's why. Bob won it. Random generator. Random number generator. Next time. <laughs> Random number generator next time. I, I, you guys, I tried to do the best I could. I'm trying to read what he's saying. Give away $30 in iStrike. Oh, he wants us to give away $30 of the iStrike package. All right, so we'll split it up a little bit. We'll draw one more name um, and give away $30 of iStrike. Bob, you're super cool. And you guys, I will definitely look into better ways for the get for the for the raffles. Uh, as far as the you don't like my numbers? No, I like your number picking, but we I think random number generator would be better. I like that, uh, and we'll do that mm. next time because we can just put one to four seventy three, okay. and then people can't say we're cheating. We can show it to them on the phone. So next time we will do. Uh, yeah, so people said dollar per entry should be able to have a chance for each entry. So every every dollar that you put in. That's how many times your name showed up in our spreadsheet. So you were you were entered that many times for every dollar that that you uh, you put in. So we're I'm trying to do it as fair as I can. Any suggestions for the next raffle? Definitely let me know. Uh, but we will use a random number generator on the next one. Bob is going to let us give away thirty dollars of his iStrike package. Sorry, David, iStrike that you're going to have to ship two packages, but I love you and, and you love us. So um, all right, Jeff, give us one more number, a random randomly generated in your head. Thirty-six. 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 Who is it? That was just a number on the television screen. So, David. <laughs> David. Uh, Vincenzo. David Vincenzo. Can you spell it for me so I can write her down? Uh, it's David and then V I N C E N Z O. David Vincenzo. Thirty. Of I strike. Boom, sweet. Well, guys, that was our first live stream on YouTube, as rough as it went, as good as it went. 
We hope you enjoyed it. Um, you guys, like I said, hit me up. If you did win something on Instagram, that's the best way, or Facebook or on YouTube. But try to go over to Instagram if you have an Instagram. It's Judd Brock Fishing. Um, and we will get things shipped out to you. Um, anything y'all want to leave them with? Or y'all get... Oh, we got we got Ian Fletcher said he'll contribute to NC Redfish app from Yupon Outdoors. Oh, and I forgot I gotta do the Z Man, so I'm glad Ian said something. Ian wants to give away a hat. We talked on Instagram earlier, so we'll do one more number, and then we'll pick a random comment, and I'll give the Z Man's away. Um, but Ian, we're gonna pick. Hey, Ian, you pick a number here on the live chat, and we will uh, we'll go with whatever that is. So between one and four seventy three. I'm going to scroll through. I'm going to pick five packs of soft plastics and give them away. Um, but I'm going to scroll through the comments here. We just glitched there a little bit. Scroll through the comments here and pick a random one. That's a super chat. Pick a random one, another super chat. Go like this. Boom. All right. It is Romaine Fishing. He said yellowfin tuna at 853. So Romaine E Fishing, you get five packs of Ice Strike or five packs of Z Man. Um, R-O-M-A-N-E Fishing uh, Z-Man And then we'll go see what our boy uh, Let's see here and Guys, well, I'm, I'm trying to do everything as fair as I can Hooked up Try to get hooked up with a bunch of good free stuff to give away So hopefully y'all are Y'all are stoked on it I hope everybody can win something one day on here uh, And I do really, really appreciate the Uh the super chats and y'all helping us out. We're going to keep bringing y'all awesome content this year. Uh, let's see. Did our boy that wants to give away a hat give us a number? He didn't give us a number. You want me to give you a number? Um, yeah, give me a number. I didn't see one. It's a number. number. Give us a number. Uh, 32. <laughs> 321. 321. 321. 321. <laughs> <laughs> you like the 30s. You were digging the 30s. Is Josh Westcott. Josh Westcott. Want a free hat? Oh, Ian just responded. Sorry, Ian. 294. Um, so, Ian Fletcher, um, you guys get up with me and I'll get y'all connected with, or Josh, get up with me. I'll get you connected with Ian on through Instagram to get that hat to you. And we're going to, we did the Z-Man for Romaine Fishing. And I think that's it, you guys. Sorry this this uh, raffle was so rough. We're going to have a little more polish next time. I actually called my buddy Alex, who I stole this idea from and then uh, was picking his brain beforehand. He's a little more seamless than I was. So hopefully next time we've got it, got it dialed in a little bit better. But uh, you guys, thanks for tuning into this live chat. And uh, we will see y'all next week. Later. See you guys.